continue our class on the Sermon on the Mount. Woo! And today we'll be in Matthew 6, 9 through 15. Um, if you want to turn there now, Matthew 6, 9 through 15. When you get there, does somebody to open us in prayer want to read 6, 9 through 13? Boom. Somebody pray us by reading 6, 9 through 13. Oh. All right. Gotcha. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's our topic today. The topic today is the Lord's Prayer. And I've got it broken down up here for you if you want to look. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. So the main idea today is that it's kind of like threefold. Our prayer should be directed to our Father, focused on the concerns of our Father, and then filled with the needs our Father can supply. So it's directed toward him, his concerns become our concerns, and then our concerns become his, because our, his concerns are ours. If any of that doesn't work, then the whole system kind of shuts down. So those three pieces are really important, and we'll break it down into two main sections. Uh, him and us, basically. And it's when you pray, start with your Heavenly Father. That'll be verses 9 through 10. And uh, there's three petitions there in the prayer itself. And then the second section, when you pray, share your concerns with your Heavenly Father. That's us talking to him about what we need. Again, he gives Jesus gives us three petitions that cover, and I don't know, if you find any holes, let me know, but it, it feels like it covers absolutely everything. It covers our needs, our daily needs of all kinds, our forgiveness, and our deliverance from evil and sin. So before we dig into those points, let's read together this time uh, from Matthew 6, 9 through 15. If you have your Bibles ready, I'm reading from the ESV. So here's the full section. Uh, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, this is a speaking after the prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So this is the famous verse. Uh, Just talking about prayer for a second. Prayer. 
It's a big one. Uh, Without ceasing, we're told. The Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, we're told. Um, Pray to your Father in secret. We talked about that last week. Um, Pray for one another. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. We should have prayers and supplication. We should pray and not lose heart. We should ask according to his will and he will hear us. Pray instead of being anxious. Pray with confidence, drawing near to the throne of grace. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praises. If you're sick, pray. If you have sinned, pray. Ask wrongly and you will not receive. Be constant in prayer. Be steadfast in prayer. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Devote yourselves to prayer. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And then in John 9.31, it says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. So the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. It's constantly asking us to pray for all kinds of reasons. So let yourself be reminded this morning that prayer is vital. Um, Maybe some of you are feeling that right now. Maybe you didn't pray very much this week. I'm probably feeling it even though I was preparing this. Um, But it's a command from our king to pray. And we can be thankful that the disciples asked Jesus. Uh, The Bible has this this one record where the disciples actually ask him to to teach them how to do something specifically. One time. And that's prayer. And that was in Luke 11. You don't have to turn there, but Luke 11, 1, which reads, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, as he did. He would go off and pray. Um, And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So because they asked that question, we get this answer from Christ. Um, What follows in Luke 11 is an abbreviated form that we know as the Lord's Prayer, but it's expanded here in the text we're looking at today in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, but you can add on 14 and 15 in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So there's so many commands from the Old Testament and the New Testament to pray, and there's so many examples of righteous and faithful men throughout uh, the Word of God, falling down before God, uh, praying to God, And then Jesus here gives us this everlasting example of how to do it, of how to pray. So this is a huge gift to us, this uh, Lord's Prayer, um, which is interesting because growing up as a Christian, you start to just, it's like, yeah, I've heard it, I've heard it. Um, But it's actually a gigantic gift for us. Um, And it kind of puts us in this position where we don't really have an excuse. Um, If we're at a loss for words or if we're lacking the energy Um, if we feel too confused in the moment. Right here, we're given an example of how to obey, how to pray to our Heavenly Father perfectly and righteously. So this is a good thing to have. Um, And if you struggle with not praying enough, if you struggle, if you feel like, I know sometimes for me, I feel like my prayers can be like too much about myself. Like I, that's how I come right into the prayer. The prayer's like, Lord, I'm really, it's really bad, you know. It's immediately about me, and sometimes I get out of the prayer that way too, and uh, it hasn't been about him at all, which is not what this prayer is like at all. This prayer is very much about God, and then it's about me because it's about God. Um, so if you've struggled with that, if maybe you're somebody who you're like, how do I pray to God? He's so big and I'm so small. What do I possibly have to say to him that would matter? Uh, just please listen closely today. Uh, see how this prayer 
here in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it's sufficient in itself, but it is also sufficient to give us a model to pray correctly. And if we apply that model, everything that we're dealing with will fit into that prayer in that skeleton of this, uh, these three petitions on each side for God and then for yourself. It's also a great way to live as well. So to direct our prayers to our Father, like it says in the main idea, to focus on the concerns of our Father and to have prayers filled with needs that our Father can supply. So let's start by looking at number one, when you pray, uh, start with your Heavenly Father. Um, so we shouldn't be afraid to pray. I think that's something, I don't know, it's something I've encountered, talk to people like, what do I say? What do I do? Um, we shouldn't be afraid to pay, pray. We should, we should be able to pray at any moment because like the Bible says, pray without ceasing. So it should be able to happen at any moment. Um, God encourages us to speak to him and we're free to do so because of what Christ has done. Um, but at the same time, you have to take time to really think the privilege to approach the sovereign Lord of the universe in such a manner should not be underestimated. Um, you don't want to be too legalistic with prayer, but you don't want to be too liberal either. You don't want to choke prayer into like a tradition or a ritual um, the way that I heard the Lord's Prayer growing up. It's like, oh, that's something people say. Um, but you also don't want to treat it as a joke or as trivial. Um, I think of uh, being at a dinner party maybe and somebody cracks a joke right before the prayer and you're like laughing throughout the prayer thinking like, that's a little example, but it's like, hey, come on. Like, this is serious. We're talking to God, you know? Um, you should say, uh, you could say the same thing about the Christian life as well. Not wanting to be legalistic or liberal with it. but. Jesus warned us uh, just earlier in this chapter, in Matthew 6, if you want to look, just earlier in verses 5 through 8, this is what Cliff talked about last week, that when we pray, um, we should neither be like the Pharisee who prays for show, nor like the pagans who pray thinking that with many, many words they will badger God into answering their request. So we don't want to do either. And there's a better way, and it's here. And when we pray, unlike the world who approaches the father of lies, they approach the devil, as John 8:44 says. We approach, and it starts this way, we approach our father in heaven, the one who has brought us into his family by adoption through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And for those, he, for those of us who believe he's now our father, and that's how the verse, it gets us right there, He's, our, he's my father. Um, and we haven't just been granted access to talk to him, but we've been given a relationship with him as his children through Jesus Christ. And that's why we pray in Jesus' name out of respect for the fact that Christ is the person interceding for us. He's the person who's given us the ability in the first place to even talk to him. Um, and uh, he teaches us in 9 through 11... That's what we're looking at first, 9 through 11. He teaches us three petitions. We're going to be looking at honoring the Lord's name, having his kingdom come, praying his kingdom come, and praying his will be done, and looking at what that means. Um, so praying for the Lord's name to be honored. Can somebody please read verse 9 again? Pray then in this way. 
Hallowed be your name. Anybody know what hallowed means? Holy, yes. Honor as holy is what I found. Hallow means to hallow means to I will hallow you. Is to honor as holy. Yeah, that's a word that uh, is uh, very specific, I'd say. <laughs> very specific to God and his work. Probably not to much anything else. Uh, honor is holy. Yeah, that's God. Um, so it applies as well, not just to him and his work, but also to his very name, because his name cannot be separate from him. Um, so the idea is that as we pray, we honor his name. We pray, we admire, we esteem, we honor and revere and we treasure and we value God's name above everything else. Um, it's a perfect start to the prayer. And John Piper talks about it. He talks about how it's very clear to him that the purpose of the entire universe is for the hallowing of God's name. That's the purpose that his kingdom comes for that. His will is done for that. Humans have bread sustained life for that. Sins are forgiven for that. And temptation is escaped for that. It's all for the hallowing of God's name. So right here at the start of the prayer, the tone is totally set. And uh, that's great. Because I don't know, like you have the times where you're like, I need to pray. I don't even know how to start. Like Jesus is like, this is the perfect way to start. God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let that be your tone. Let that be your focus. Um, so the purpose of this prayer um, is the purpose by which we're saved as Christians. It's to honor the name of Yahweh, the name of God, the Lord, our Heavenly Father, amongst many other names that show his glory. And Jesus is teaching us, right at the beginning of our prayers, to start by showing how we acknowledge and how we value God in his, how he's infinitely pure and unique and undefiled and righteous and transcendent. And he's the supreme and absolute treasure in all the universe and over the universe. Um, much better way to start than like, uh, you know, just starting right out of sadness. It's good to start um, I mean, if you're talking to somebody, right? If you're coming to somebody with your concerns, it's good. It's very unselfish to look them in the eye and know who they are before you start talking to them. And in this case, it's God. What I think of, when, we, when, I, when I say, how will be your name? Mm -hmm. it, it does this thing where I may be coming to God with all these things in my mind that I think are most important, and it puts me in my place says, but you're God, I'm not, you're perfect, I'm not, so give me what you have for me, not what I want for me. Definitely. That's what we're going to see in this prayer, um, the whole first half. What were you going to say? I was just going to, you know, because you were going that way, mm -hmm. but I was just going to say that uh, when David talked about the like, reproof and the weak admonition, that's wonderful. That's exactly Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was at Overland once, and Bobby was teaching about this. He was, well, he's teaching about prayer, but he talked a lot about posture. That's something that I never thought about with prayer, posture. I mean, with posture, you think about, like, oh, get on my knees. But he was talking about, like, posture, Position. think it. And this is, where you say? Position. Who are you compared to God? Right. Posture. 
And this posture puts us right in the right spot. And, and he's saying the posture here is, you're a child. God's your father. Um, and he's your heavenly father and hallowed, and he's a holy name. Yeah, but you're in the perfect position for that. Um, the, so that's the first petition we're looking at. The second petition is that the Lord's kingdom would come. So you pray for the Lord's kingdom to come. Uh, could somebody read verse 10 again? just to start with this just question out of left field why is Satan our enemy he wants to keep us out of heaven okay yeah he wants his kingdom to prevail he wants his kingdom to prevail where's his kingdom right now it says that he is yeah his kingdom is right here uh, so Satan is our enemy, his kingdom, God has allowed him to be a ruler over this kingdom right now, and God's kingdom, as Christ has said, is come, it's invading. Um, in 1 John 5.19, just to give proof to... We're invaders. We're invaders. <laughs> Space invaders. Um, 1 John 5.19 5, says... Uh, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. John twelve thirty one says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Um, later. But, um, later added. <laughs> and there's a lot of other verses that talk about how uh, he's been cast down and how he's ruler now of this world. So, every single day when you wake up, you're waking up into a world where Satan is the ruler. Um, it's important that we remember that. God set it up that way for a reason. Um, he's showing us, just like we studied in the Beatitudes at the beginning, all those characters of Christ, like how important it is to live like Christians in his new kingdom um, right now. We no longer wake up under Satan's rule. We're, we're amongst the world that's in, his, that's in his rule. We don't wake up into his rule. We wake up as citizens of Christ's kingdom now. Um, and our obedience and faith, that's what is invading Satan's rule. It's our obedience and our faith um, and all of God's work. But God, God set up this dynamic to show his victory uh, in what he did on the cross and his increasing victory through his work apart from us, but also his work within us. Um, because of this reality, Jesus is telling us to pray for his rule and his reign in our lives right now. It's invading right now. Um, yes, we're also praying um, he will eventually come back, destroying sin for all time, you know, cast, cast devil in, cast it all in, um, and establishing his perfect kingdom forever, the thing that's been um, prophesied many times in the Old Testament and is coming true right now. Um, but the promises of God will be fulfilled in that. There will be an everlasting kingdom. And that's our great hope. We should have great hope in that. And when we pray that, I, I think we are praying for that. But we're also praying for the hope we have right now. That in this dark and this sinful world that has not overcome the light, John says, that Jesus raised from the dead and he showed us how to be like him specifically in this sermon. Um, and he sent us to tell the whole world about it. 
We want that kingdom to come. Um, we are at war, right? We're at war. Satan is, he has this kingdom and God is invading that kingdom. It's a spiritual war. It's a war between love and hatred, between righteousness and evil, between truth and deceit. And Christ is showing us how to pray our purpose in that war uh, that has been given by God. That God would flood this world with the light of love, with the light of righteousness, with the light of truth, and all of the infinite shining pieces of his character um, that will come either through us or even just through his nature, through all kinds of things. We want all of that to just... And that his kingdom will come, and that taking back the earth that he allowed our sin to inhabit, um, that he allowed Satan to rule over, and uh, we can relish in his glory as he advances ever closely every day on the enemy. And that's why, that's why it's a good thing to pray every day. And that's why I think Jesus is telling us to do that, to remember. Like, I, I've spoken to many Christians who are so sad and so frustrated with the circumstances in their life. And you wonder, when you're talking to them, you wonder, have you forgotten that God is advancing again and again? Uh, whenever I'm watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when the beaver's like, Aslan is on the move, I get chills. Because it's a picture, like Christ is advancing every single day a little bit more on the enemy um, through us. And when we pray that, we're, all of those things are coming into perspective. So we start with your name, your plan. <laughs> it's just like you're entering prayer thinking about the most important things. Um, and thirdly, the third petition, petition, is a pray for the Lord's will to be done. It's like, okay, um, how is that different? Uh, could someone look up Romans 12.2, please? Romans 12.2. So the third petition here, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's closely connected to the second petition, your kingdom come. Um, we want his kingdom to invade Satan's sinful rule. We also want his will to be done. So we can see how these are similar. Again, if we look at the Beatitudes, we can see a similarity. So the Beatitudes, those are ways that we can act in order to spread the character of Christ, right? Um, if we do those, we are both invading the sinful world as salt and light, and God's will is being done through us because he's commanding us to do it and we're doing it. So in that way, you can kind of see how the kingdom come and the will be done, those are kind of the same thing. But they're different. Um, like in that perspective, they're both very good. I think we can all agree that that's pretty good. Um, but how does God's kingdom coming and God's will differ from our perspective? Like, first of all, can we all agree in here that um, God's kingdom coming is very exciting and we're very happy about that? Can we agree on that? I think we're all very happy about that. Um, but what about God's will? Is God's will being done something that we're always happy about? <laughs> Look on Rick's face. It, it, it's okay, you can speak. Is, some, is it something we're always happy about? Certainly not a present moment. Maybe yeah. like on a grander, like, yes. Right. From our perspective. When something bad happens to us. Yeah. Well, we are selfish. Mm-hmm. Every one of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can kind of see a difference there. I, I, I don't really see his kingdom coming, I could be wrong, as something that I'm against at all that I ever struggle with. 
but his will, his will be done, that can be tough. Because it's so beyond, I mean, his kingdom coming is beyond my understanding for sure, but I get the gist, and it's very exciting. But the will be done, that can be hard. Um, and he shows us that in Job. I wanted to read, my sister got this for me for Christmas, The Valley of Vision. It is a, uh, I'll let you know what it is, just won't read it to you without having any idea. But it's a prayers, it's a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. But I feel like the first, the uh, eponymous prayer in here really digs deep into this will thing. So the Valley Vision, it's short. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly. It says this, Thou hast brought me to the valley of vision, where I live in the depths, but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is a victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. And from that, you can kind of bring in kind of what the Beatitudes are getting at. And it's great that he starts his sermon with that. Um, His will (laughs) doesn't really follow ours, I don't think. Uh, So praying for God's will to be done is a dangerous prayer. This is where the prayer starts to get very dangerous. Um, But because God's will, it's not always safe. It's not always easy. Um, Even if you look at the last part of the Beatitudes, it says you will be persecuted. That's not easy. Um, In recent decades, it's estimated that 100 to 150 million Christians are killed every year. 100 to 150 million every year killed for their faith. And that doesn't even account for those who are tortured and persecuted right now. Um, Could uh, whoever looked at Romans 12 too, can you read it now? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we see here in Romans 12, 2 that God's will is good, it's acceptable and perfect, and it takes work to see it. And that's what the Bible says about it. So the purpose of prayer, as seen in this third petition, that the Lord's will be done, Um, it's that so it's that uh, not to make God don't make God do my will but bring my will in line with his will that's perfect because you're about to talk about your needs that's so it's it's genius it's Jesus is a genius (laughs) I love it we all love it um So let his will be done, not mine. Um, And we'll look back at that here in a second. So 
that's our first part here, looking to our Heavenly Father. And then we come to us. Um, this big second point, when you pray, share your concerns with your Heavenly Father. We'll be looking at 11 through 15. So prayer, as I said in the book, it, it's a key to God's treasury of grace. Um, it's a key to God's treasury of grace. In verse 11, the model prayer shifts its focus from our Heavenly Father to us and our needs. So it's not wrong to have prayers where you talk about yourself a lot. It's not wrong. Uh, Where you express your concerns, where you beg for the salvation or the healing of your loved ones. Uh, These concerns are not, they're they're just not as fruitful, maybe not effective at all, um, if you aren't hallowing God's name, um, if you aren't praying his kingdom come, if you aren't praying his will be done. And some, it, it doesn't necessarily mean, I don't want to get legalistic on you, it doesn't mean like you have to say that before you can say your concern. If you don't say that, you're not going to go to heaven. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Like these need to be always going. Uh, it's a good way to live. And so, yeah, you can come into a prayer with starting with your concern, of course, if you've got these on lock. But it's, I think for all of us being sinners and being selfish, like you said, it's probably good to say it. <laughs> it's probably a good thing to start with it, at least in some way to start with it. What are you going to say? Like confessing with your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Better to say it, yeah, specifically with your mouth. Confess with your mind. No, it's with your mouth. Yep. Um, so uh, I would go so far to say that if you aren't praying those things, if you aren't praying the Heavenly Father, that your concerns are likely, if you're not praying with those understood. It's likely that your concerns probably don't really feel like they're being met as much, met as much. Um, And you will likely, as I've seen Christians do, um, you will likely point the finger at God uh, when they aren't met and you will turn against him, which I've also seen. Because it just becomes all about this and without this, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think that's what Satan wants. So Satan wants you to think that prayer is worthless. So how does he do that, right? Um, so you're in the battlefield, you're radioing, that's basically, you're radioing to your perfect commander. It's basically what you're doing. You're communicating what your army needs, what you need in the battle. That's what you're doing. And, uh, but what if you don't care about your commander? What if you just don't care about him? He's a tough guy. Like the guy in the parable of the talents. I heard you were a tough guy. I didn't do anything. Um, what if you don't like him? Or even worse, what if you don't even think about him at all? Why call him at all? And that's exactly what Satan wants. So those three petitions for God's name to be hallowed, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done, they are vital beliefs. They're vital understandings and they are vital prayers for you to fully embrace even before you begin to voice your own concerns and needs. And I would probably even add in even before you start to think about your own concerns. Um, Why would you call him if you don't care about these things? Like caring about these things is what makes you want to call him. (laughs) Um, So Satan wants you to make prayer all about yourself. Uh, But Jesus has taught us right here in Matthew, how to make our prayers about God. And then within that, we have entered God's grace where we can also pray for others and ourselves. So the first one here, uh, 
asking for your daily needs to be met, our daily bread. Can someone turn to Exodus 16? Exodus 16, 2 through 4. So this is a little bit of an interesting verse for us because we're in America and we're very rich. So um, because we, there's people here suffering, but I think we're all doing pretty well here. So because we have an abundance of food and we have an abundance of riches and entertainment and freedom and and work and privacy in this city, uh, we have a tendency to take things for granted. Um, So this verse, I think, applies to us pretty well in that area, but in other ways as well. Um, who Who here has an abundance that they take for granted? Anybody? Oh, even the kids. Good kids. That's awesome. Good, good young men. Um, I personally, I mean, I eat too much. I take it for granted. I'm like getting fat as if I'll never run out of food. Oh, there's more. Um, I take my time for granted. Sometimes I, on a day off, lay in bed way too long. I pray nobody else is like that. You lay in bed till your back hurts and you're like, you're like, I'm just going to stay. It's my bad. I'll just keep. Well, now it hurts, so I might as well stay. Um, as if my time is just endless. I just have endless time, uh, and uh, it's just not. It's just not true. Uh, so you raised your hand. What about you guys? What are some abundances um, that you take for granted? Some daily bread that you have so much of that you take for granted. hitting me right now a lot <laughs> it has begun for me <laughs> what are some other ones a family that loves you family that family loves you that does love. oh okay yeah for sure yeah that's that's universal yeah people that like you even <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah of course there are people that okay i'm not sure about that guy but but there are people that hey you know that guy likes me. Yeah. Or that, you know, my family loves me. Mm-hmm. Frank, I like you. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> so don't mm-hmm. don't forget. But I should pray. Right? <laughs> and when I do pray, I should, again, do a little weak admonition, mm-hmm. the reproof. Okay? Yeah. They like me. There are things I can do better. Yeah, I don't But I like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Sally Field with the Austin. They really like me. Oh gosh. Yeah, that makes me think of like uh, that makes me think of like so we could take we could take for granted the fact that strangers like the general idea is that I could talk to a stranger and it should be fine. Whereas if you look at other countries, there's still people to this day. I have a tribe, I know everybody in my tribe, and if there's somebody else we need to maybe have a little bit of an interrogation before I even start talking to this person because they could be from an, a, a nearby enemy tribe. Like that's something that would 
take for granted. Totally. We were born here. We don't think about that. It's like, like a stranger does something we don't like. It's like, hey, what's the deal, man? It's like as if they should do anything for us. Um, or in other places, it's not even necessarily that way. Uh, any other ones? Any other abundances? I'll throw one out. Water. <laughs> Water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, safety? Yeah. Not nearly as much as somewhere else, that's for sure. There's an abundance of Bible-believing churches. <laughs> yeah. Whereas some people have to travel miles. Yeah. Miles on foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have one literally called center. It's at the center of it. You can get here. <laughs> it's really good. It's great. Uh, so here's a question about that. So does your abundance of possessions, um, does it affect your relationship with God? I know it's kind of difficult, but think it through. Just think about it yourself. Okay. My abundance of possessions. <clears throat> Am I letting it affect my relationship with God positively or negatively? Be honest with yourself. Does it affect your relationship with God positively generally? Or negatively? Are you like, I've got all this stuff and I love God. It's great. Are you like, I've got all this stuff and it's too much and I don't know what show to watch next? You just, <laughs> just whatever dumb stuff. Like, where do you, anybody fall in line with one of those? I think negatively, but it's not so much, you know, I don't know what show to watch next, but more <laughs> like, uh, I have so much stuff and, and I don't need God. Yeah. To provide for me because look at all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't, I don't think I, I go to him in prayer as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really strange how we can we can let our abundance. I mean, just think about that. How strange is that? That an abundance would affect your relationship negatively with the person who gave you the abundance. Yeah. What are you going to say, Cliff? Well, in light of this, I just thought about some of the unfolding events uh, when the pandemic started descending upon us and toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all nuts. I mean, you know, we, we were in desperation. Sometimes there were periods where our grocery stores were being challenged because the uh, big, again, it's just, it's just always here and we just, it's here in abundance. And, but as soon as yeah. that got challenged, I, mean, I think it created some very real distress. And exactly. In which you just never imagined. Exactly. We, we, it was such an exposure of you know, this point that we're making here. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's strange. Were you going to say something? Or you just well, I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. I, a really good example of this um, that I witnessed firsthand was going to a, a Bible study. Um, there's a family, a, a Togolese family over the hills, and they have a Bible study every Sunday night with a lot of Togolese friends around the area. And, you know, they live in America, and they, they think of themselves as as getting too fat and happy, you know? Like, they, mm-hmm. they live in America, they have everything they need, you know, and yet they're working, you know, 12-hour opposite shifts of one another and trying to take care of the kids. And uh, they prayed for, like, an hour I can't remember if it was at the beginning of 
their study or at the end, but it was so natural for them to just, it wasn't like, so what are our prayer requests? And like, yeah, so-and-so sick. It was just, they started praying. And the, and the prayer was, it was, it had this sense of like urgency, like God, if you don't do this, then we have nothing. Like we have no, it's not gonna happen if you don't do it. Whereas I think if my car breaks down, I've got insurance. Yeah. Double money to bank account. Um, you know, yeah, I don't feel that desperation. But they prayed with a, a desperation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That was convicting. Yeah. There's people in the world where it's not difficult to forget this part at all. Um, down to its basic pieces of just like uh, water. Um, my brother has been captured. Uh, you know. So. Uh, can uh, Exodus sixteen two through four? I think talks good about what Cliff was talking about. Exodus uh, sixteen two through four. If somebody wants to read that. Yeah, so this is a, an amazing uh, um, illustration and a, a dirty mirror for us to look in. Um, we're like you're talking about toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the Israelites have been led out of slavery, and they have an abundance of freedom. They're being led by a pillar of you know, like a giant thing of fire and a giant thing of smoke is leading them across the wilderness to the promised land. Um, and they don't have the ability to, I mean, th- I mean, does this sound, this doesn't sound, this is a perfect example for them to pray, right? And uh, that's not what we see. There's not a prayer. It's instead, would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt uh, where they were slaves? So this is a great example for us to apply what we're learning here, um, which is funny because it was right in front of them. Uh, they, were, they got to see an image of the Lord in a way, which would have been an amazing thing to see. Uh, and they looked at that, but it shows us, you know, don't, don't think yourself too good. Like this, this shows us who we really are. We can do that and that's what we do. Um, we can come to church and we'd be walking around here thinking about like, I don't. I have just too much stuff, or, you know, um, but we can be just like them. We could be looking to God. We can, Jesus can be the object of our faith and we could still just complain. Um, so we need to do these three things. And when we come to the daily needs, we need to pray, not complain, just pray to him. And the Lord says here, he listens to their complaint and then he gives them miraculous uh, bread every day. Um, and he does it actually, he actually does it as a daily portion, giving them just what they need to test them. Um, and for us, we have an overabundance and I, I I don't think, uh, I don't think that abundance is there so that we aren't tested. I think that abundance is there to test us. 
we have too much to test us. So I would definitely remember that um, when you're looking at all the, like, we gotta clean out this fridge. <laughs> just like, be tested. Um, so just let that passage make you think, like, do you find yourself praying for provision often? Like Kelly was saying, it's like, do I really need God for anything? I mean, that's not what you're saying. You're saying it in that perspective. Um, do you find yourself praising him? You know, if you do have an abundance, do you find yourself praising him for your clothes or your housing or your, your food, for sight, which we all have here, for intelligence, for safety, for salvation, and like we said earlier, for water? Um, the Israelites, they grumbled. They wish, uh, that wishing they could have had the awful conditions that they had as slaves in Egypt. Um, and there's so much that goes into that, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I think that in our sin, we can start to desire more than the abundance that we have, and we can lose sight of our provision, and we can start to want what we had back when we were slaves of Satan. Because, I mean, if you think about it, as God is growing you, as he's sanctifying you, everything that he's doing for you is part of that sanctification, including like what he's giving you daily. And I think that when we start to want something that we had, that's basically saying whatever I had back here when I wasn't as grown, when I wasn't bearing as much fruit, when I wasn't, it's like wanting to step back. And it, that's what they were, like he was, they were, they were inside of a progression. Like he was, this is part of their relationship with him. They brought him out of Egypt. They want to go back. It was better back there. I think both. I think we get so upset and we let our emotions run everything. We lose sight of the facts. And then we want to go back? That's what, like, that's what sin is. Sin is like, I, I have given my life to this God. He saved me. I've spoken with him. I've dined with him. Um, but I'm just going to sin this one. I don't care. I'm just going to sin this one time. Uh, and right here, the sin is a lack of prayer. Instead, it's just complaining. <laughs> like it's like, which is something I used to do a lot more. I would just get in my car after work and just start complaining out loud. And I didn't realize, like, the only person that's listening is God. So you're basically complaining at God. You're not just talking to yourself. You need to start praying, man. Um, to kind of answer Sean's question, sure. it's in Numbers 11. Uh, said, now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. So it's like, we were slaves, man. We had it good. Yeah. We had, like, food every day. <laughs> yeah. But this whole trusting God for our food each day is yeah. not so great. Yeah, easier to trust in. They thought it was easier to trust in man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't point the finger too much. Um, yeah, like them, uh, it's just uh, we have it so much better than we think we do, and we need to remember that. And I think when we're praying that, we need to remember that um, there are people right now. There's Christians right now, not just other, there's Christians like us right now, our brothers and sisters right now, who are praying 
And their daily need, their daily bread, is that they'll get out of prison, or that they'll be spared, that the, the life of their mother will be spared, whatever it is. So it's important for us to, and that can lead you into praying for them as well, praying for the needs of others as well. So it's a very important thing to pray for. And we just need to remember that seasons change and trials come. You might find yourself running out for toilet paper any second. Um, opportunities arise to share our abundance with others who need it. Maybe if we have a ton, we keep praying for more so we can keep giving it. And we can pray like, Lord, give me more and show me how to give it to more people. Um, we need to stay focused on Jehovah Jireh, as Abraham called him, walking up um, to sacrifice Isaac, the Lord, our provider. So we can stay focused in our prayers every day. Um, losing sight of his provision in our life is extremely dangerous. So I think that's why Jesus is telling us to do that. So the second one is ask for God to forgive you as you forgive others. And that's in 12, 14, and 15, which say, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Um, and then after the verse, or after the prayer, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, so this is a little confusing, right? The second petition, we share our concerns, where we share our concerns is our prayer for forgiveness. This can be confusing to some people because doesn't Romans 8, 1 say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, so I don't know, the way this is worded in 12 and the 14 and 15, I mean, it can't be that Jesus is saying that forgiveness is transactional. It can't be. He's, he can't be saying, if I forgive others, then God will forgive me. So why do you think, what is he saying here? Why is he saying it this way, do you think? As a hint, look to the beginning of the prayer. Think about the beginning of the prayer. Davy's face. Relational. Relational? Boom. Nailed it. And our father. At the same time. Jinx. Um, he's saying it this way uh, because that's, that's how he started the tone. It's God is our father. Um, and that's the kind of relationship you have with your father. So explaining that more. So. This prayer is a prayer to our Heavenly Father, and when we pray, Christ is calling us to pray as children, speaking to their Father in the name, in the name of their elder brother, Jesus Christ. Uh, so, there's a thing from J.I. Packer. So, J.I. Packer has a great point uh, with this when he says this. So, he says, the Lord's Prayer is the family prayer, in which God's adopted children address their Father, and though their failures do not overthrow their justification, that's the confusing part. So your sin doesn't, your sin as a saved person doesn't make you lose salvation. Of course not. Um, so though their failures do not overthrow their justification, things will not be right between them and their father till they have said, sorry, <laughs> and asked him to overlook the ways, uh, the ways that they have let him down. So he's saying it like that to help us see kind of how this relationship works. Um, this forgiveness part is a great place to apply 
like what First John says, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It also says in, around there, um, like in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, this is a great time to start applying those verses. Um, to come to your father who never gets upset with you, that's over. Like when you became his son, he stopped getting mad. There's no wrath for you. He just loves you and he's just good to you. You come to him and uh, you pray on a daily basis. If you can remember, I hoped that you would. Um, hey, like that thing that I did, I haven't talked to you about it yet. And I really need to talk to you about it. Um, because all you, all you ever do for me is good. Why would I not come to you with asking for forgiveness for this? And you say that you'll always forgive me. So please forgive me and help me to change and to do, you know, look for the scripture, like, and to do what this verse says that I missed. Um, so that's why that part's so important. Um, I've heard Christians talk about how Christians who used to go to this church, uh, how hard it is to love the Lord and still be a sinner. Like that thing that you learn pretty early on, it comes back. It's like you get older and it's like, I still struggle with that. Like I'm trying to love the Lord. One, one of my best buddies, he's a solid Christian. He still deals with like, my sin is so gross. Like I'm trying to love the Lord, but my sin is so, I hate it so much. Um, and sometimes they think about it so long, they start to say things like about how they fear hell or they fear God's wrath or they fear consequences. And uh, I believe that this part of the prayer, this forgiveness, this is the part where the prayer aids that problem and it gets you out of that funk that you can definitely get in uh, when you start to make your sin a little bit more your main attraction than God and you lose the object of your faith um, when you start thinking about your own sin. What were you gonna say, Rick? I was just gonna <clears throat> build on that by saying uh, there is an entity out there that wants you to stay in that funk. Yeah. And, and that's a don't stay in the funk because you know you will be forgiven. Then it lifts that big old boulder off your back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Way, way to go. And he covers that. Yeah. We'll cover that next. Yep, deliver from evil. It's beautiful. It ties right in. It's, it's, it's funny, though, how even talking about it makes you think about it, because it's totally coming next. It's a perfect prayer. Um, yeah, we need to... For, and it, this also covers your relations, like what you're dealing with with other people. Like the main focus that you're dealing with other people is, have I forgiven them? Like, am I loving them? Like, if you think about, like, they mentioned in the book, um, they mentioned in the book, I don't have to trust my enemy, but God calls me to forgive them. Like forgiveness is a universal thing for every person you know. Like if you're looking at every single human being in the world, what can I definitely do for them? Something I can definitely do is forgive them. No matter what it is, if they're late, whatever it is, I can always you know, forgive. Um, and I just, this part of the verse gets you into that mindset of thinking about all your relationships. Like God has forgiven me. Have I forgiven everybody? Um, who have I not forgiven? There's got to be somebody. It's <laughs> like, um, have I for the big one? Oh my goodness. And I think, uh, I mean, I struggle with it too, but I think it's something we struggle with at this church. Am I forgiving myself? God forgave me. Can I do it? Can I do it? 
Can I be like God and, f- and be forgiving? Can I forgive myself? Because, like you said, am I going to just walk around with this weight? Or am I going to do it? Am I actually going to do Like, he's so much better, and he forgave me. I am not. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm too good to forgive myself. I, I'm so disgusted with myself. I, it's like, he's... He's like, I, yeah, I mean, I wanted you to die. I wanted you to die because of your sin, but I saved you, and I forgive you. And I'm down here like, I can't forgive myself. It's too much. Uh, no, uh, we need to pray this prayer to get that done as well. So that's very important. Again, another petition that can benefit us if we do it daily. And that's why it's so beautiful. That's why Christ gave it to us. And the last one will be short on, but... Asking for God to deliver you from the evil one. Can somebody read verse 13? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the last petition is where we share our concerns. Um, This part is crucial for our success in spiritual warfare that is very much real. And we kind of hinted at it before with the kingdom come. Um, so it's a twofold request set in the form of like a negative positive request. First, lead us not into temptation, the negative, and second, deliver us from evil. And uh, this evil, it's a reference to the devil. It's a reference to his transient schemes and uh, his uh, minions below him as well. James 1.13 makes it clear that God would never tempt us and that this prayer is showing us um, that we can pray for him to keep us far from it in the first place. So, like, don't get caught up on, like, lead us not into temptation. Um, God is, the Bible says, God's not trying to tempt you. That's not the point. Just throw that out. Don't even think about it. It's dumb. Doesn't make any sense. He would never do that. But what he's saying is, I have the ability, if you pray to me, I can help you stay away from it. I can help you stay away from the devil as well. Um... So going back to like what we were talking about with daily needs, if you're radioing up to your commander, um, you're asking him like, hey, like, please lead us from ambushes. Please lead us from powerful warriors that can definitely hurt us if we wander away from you. Um, 1 Peter 5.8 talks about how we should be sober-minded, we should be watchful, and then he says after that, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So that's the situation. It's his kingdom is here. He's, God's allowed him to rule, and he's walking around looking for us, waiting for us, waiting to pounce. And God is saying, that's fine. Ask for deliverance. In your prayer every day, don't forget. Um, don't just think, that's a very spiritual thing. I don't really understand it. I'm just going to leave it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's weird. And I was like, no, think about it every day. Whenever you pray, um, pray that God will not lead us into temptation, that he will keep you far from it. He just has this ability. He's saying through, through this prayer, he has this ability to just keep you away from it, um, which happens in a lot of ways. That's the, what is that? That's the marriage of desire and uh, something else. I can't remember when those two come together, that's when temptation happens. But so in this final petition, it's a good practice for God to 
asking God to deliver you from sin and Satan. And it's as well, it's a good practice that will keep our minds ready and prepared to flee. Because we're praying that God deliver us and also keeps us. He's saying, be sober-minded. He's saying, be ready. And he says, flee from sin. So it also keeps us like thinking about, you know, it keeps us watchful over what's going on. Like, Lord, please deliver me from it. And also keep me in that way. Keep me watchful to run from it. Um, perhaps that is how God will lead us not into temptation. And that's how he'll lead us. Uh, he'll deliver us from evil by reminding us of temptation and evil in the way that we pray every single day. That reminder is the very thing that could keep you from it. And we see that in sports. You've got muscle memory. You do the same thing over and over and over. How do I dodge that guy? How do I dodge them? How do I remember to do it? Well, sometimes it's just too fast. You just have to practice. You have to think every day, how do I do it? And in this, you're reminding yourself every day of that real problem. And uh, so maybe if you remind yourself every day when you're praying to God, he'll enable you to see it and to run from it. So uh, let's go back to our main idea really quick. Can everybody read that? All right, let's just read it together, okay? Main idea. Our prayers should be directed to our Father, focused on the concerns of our Father, and filled with the needs our Father can supply. One more time. Our prayers should be directed to our Father, focused on the concerns of our Father, and filled with the needs our Father can supply. That's where we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, of course, affects all the prayer that we do. So that's what we looked at today. Jesus taught us how to direct our prayer at the Heavenly Father by hallowing his name, by honoring him as holy and perfect. Then he taught us to focus on the concerns of our Father, and those concerns being that his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus taught us how to bring our needs before our Heavenly Father by praying for his provision for us, his, forgiven, his forgiveness for us that we can give to others as well as our abundance. It's not just forgiveness, it's our abundance that we can give to others as well. Um, And then also his protection of us from sin, which you could also say is something we can give as well as we share the gospel with other people. And they can, if they come to know Christ, they could be protected as well. So I want to encourage you all, including myself, um, to make it a habit of praying this prayer, whatever that habit looks like. I mean, I would encourage you every day, but whatever that habit looks like, Um, and starting to develop your prayers with this model. Maybe you already do that, but to just, or maybe you did it for a while and you stopped doing it, but come back to it. Try it out for a while. Um, God has sovereignly placed us in this Sunday school lesson. Let's do it, right? Um, And uh, so we got the three petitions that honor God and his purposes, the three petitions that ask for your needs, And if you do that, I think that your prayer will become fruitful and vital. Um, You'll feel like you're really accomplishing something in your prayer instead of the possibility of just talking about how bad everything is and kind of walking away like, I just thought about how bad everything is and I feel bad now. That's all I feel, I just feel bad. It's like, Jesus is like, this is how you can be fruitful with your prayer because you're obeying. So Jesus has given us this perfect model and I urge all of us to follow it. Um, so again, verses 9 through 13, would somebody read that to pray us out? Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.